The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 22 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Carrera from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, BLG? Stats, two things for you here on this Super Bowl week. First, I uh, appreciate the ratings and reviews we're getting on Apple Podcasts as of right now. I'm looking at the stats, and we are only six away from 100 ratings, so I'd like to get there. You know, before the Super Bowl is over, let's let's you know get over a hundred ratings or at least a hundred ratings. And shout out to Jake in Memphis for leaving a rating and review titled "Great Discussion." Brandon and Stats thoroughly enjoyed uh, the discussion we had. Stats on the developing 2021 quarterback situation, the Eagles' new coaching hire, and the dire situation in Houston. I especially like the discussion on team building slash planning and how a lack thereof can lead to fan apathy. Thanks, fellas. Again, that's Jake in Memphis. So that was the first thing I had for you. Stats. The second thing is that once again. I just want to say, you know, there's no chance the Buccaneers lose the Super Bowl. We are going to get into Super Bowl picks. Thanks to Jake in Memphis as well. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't written a review or given us a rating, this is the week to do it. It is Super Week. It is day two. We have been absolutely loaded this week. We've already given you Deion Sanders and Kyler Murray. We have a bunch of great guests lined up for the rest of the week. Christian McCaffrey, Joe Theismann, Devontae Smith. We are loaded, including today, BLG, because I'm going to talk to Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM and executive vice president of the Dolphins. We are going to dive into that Texan situation. We will get into all of that. But on today's show, you had a great idea because we're trying to do, you know, we're going to talk a little Super Bowl. We'll give you our picks, but we want to look at some of the other teams around the league because most people's teams are not in the Super Bowl. And so we are going to give you three teams that we each like that finished 500 or worse this past season that we think could be in the big game next year because the Buccaneers were seven and nine in 2019. And now here they are playing for the whole damn thing. Stats, uh, you gave me credit for this. I mean, this is your idea. I, I just wanted to get, you know, the other teams involved because it's Super Bowl week and, you know, 30 teams aren't playing in this week's game. And I just kind of wanted to, you know, show some love to the other teams, keep it, keep it relevant for them. So I've got my three. Basically, most of mine come from the NFC because I look at the AFC and the AFC is a meat grinder for me. Like there are so many good teams that I just feel like 
it's really hard to come from under 500 because you not only have to beat the Chiefs, but you got to beat, you know, the Ravens. The Steelers, I think, are still going to be good. The Colts made the playoffs. The Dolphins, I think, are going to be better. There are so much competition in the AFC. It was really hard to find a team there. So I did find one, but most of mine come from the other conference. Uh, I definitely hear you on that logic stats. I have that written down in my notes about, uh, you know, I mean, look, the Chiefs play in the AFC. So that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I think that's kind of a, a, a big deterrent you have um, when going through this. I think we should go three, two, one. I also have some two honorable mentions that I wanted to just quickly mention. Oh, um, wow. Does that work for you, stats? Absolutely. Uh, you want to kick us off with number three for you? You're least confident of these picks? So I have the Carolina Panthers as number three. Now, admittedly, stats, this hinges on them getting the right quarterback, which is kind of a big variable here. But <laughs> but uh, I think they could be in play for Deshaun Watson. I was looking at some Deshaun. I think it was on Roto World looking at like the most likely Deshaun Watson destinations. And they had uh, the Panthers there. And even though they don't have the ammo of a team like the Jets, let's say, they do have the, have the advantage of being not in the same conference as the Texans. And maybe Houston wants to get Deshaun Watson out of the same conference. I could see that happening. So I'm kind of you know putting this in here, uh, figuring out they get the right quarterback. But I, I just believe in Matt Rule. I, I've said it last year. I think he's a really good coach. You still have Joe Brady there. Can you imagine Joe Brady working with Deshaun Watson? Like, man, I just I think that team is on the rise. They, you know, they kind of maxed out what they reasonably could have with Teddy Bridgewater. And I think next year, if they just get the quarterback position right, I don't think it's insane that they could be in the big game. I totally agree with you. My biggest criteria for trying to pick these teams are you if you get better at coach or get better at quarterback, that is a huge factor into whether or not I think you can make this leap. I think the Panthers recognize they have to get better at quarterback. They reportedly were in on Matt Stafford. They threw the eighth pick in the draft out there, which a lot of people think that Detroit is kind of crazy for not taking that deal. I think they get it. I I just love the process in Carolina with David Tepper there taking over as the owner. I just think he understands how to build this team and how to do it the right way. And look, they offered eight for Stafford. I think they've shown they're willing to think big, which sometimes in order to get a quarterback, you've got to think outside the box a little bit and you're right there are some pieces in Carolina that are good it's not like you know they're not an expansion team trying to build this thing up I don't I think the division is very you know they don't play in a stacked division for sure we don't know what the Saints are going to be next year the Falcons are the Falcons the Buccaneers you know assuming Brady doesn't fall off the cliff will still be good but you're right the Panthers have the this pieces there do you think that they are going to go all out for a quarterback this offseason, or do you think they're going to say, hey, we tried for Stafford, and we'll run it back with Teddy B? Uh, they have to do something. Teddy Bridgewater is just not good enough. I think everyone knows that. Um, fine guy as a bridge option, like he was for last year, but I just really – I think it would really be really disappointing as a Panthers fan, at least if I was a Panthers fan, to go into the season with just Teddy. Like they have to have some kind of you know exit strategy or contingency plan. Like they can't just put all their eggs in his basket because I just think that's going to really just waste a year, and you can't do that. I mean, I really just can't do that. So um, – I think that's a great point, by the way, on the division stats, like big deal. I mean, Drew Brees gone, uh, the Falcons new, you know, turnover there. And then, yeah, Brady, what if he retires? If it when, if, and when the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl this year. 
<laughs> Any opportunity you are getting to wedge in that you think the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl, you have taken. I do appreciate that. Yeah, I, I didn't have the Panthers on my list, but as soon as you said it, I was kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe I missed the boat there. So good job by you. Uh, my number three, and, and this is my least confident one for sure, and I know, I know what your reaction is going to be. But to me, it's the 49ers. And you can call me a homer because I cover the Niners for Niners Nation. But they are not going to change quarterbacks this offseason. But they were so banged up there that if Jimmy can stay healthy, they've already shown that they can get to a Super Bowl because they did it in 2019. And they had massive, massive injuries last year. And not just a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries simultaneously. They didn't just have Nick Bosa get hurt. They had Nick Bosa get hurt at the same time that Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, at the same time that George Kittle got hurt, while Debo Samuel was already hurt. Like, they lost everybody all at once. The odds that that happens twice in a row seem pretty slim to me. Now, the thing I don't love is they have a tough schedule next year. They play the NFC North, the AFC South. I don't love that. The division's going to be really hard, especially with Matt Stafford. But the talent is there. And they don't need to add anything, so it's possible. Although, like I said, it is my least confident. I knew you were going to have them on this list, which is purposely also why I didn't put them on mine. Uh, I gave it thought, but uh, they also lost Robert Sala. I think that's you know significant. I think he's a pretty good that's coach. Fair. Um, yeah, to, to go with the other things you mentioned there, and the quarterback's a big thing. Like, look, it, it, so I want to get your take on this. That's like, what do you even think the Niners do at quarterback now? Because I know you really wanted Matt Stafford, and it's not like there's a suddenly a dearth of options. We are hearing there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason. But if like Jimmy G is here, um, sorry, I mean, I don't even think <laughs> you believe in him anymore. Uh, just based on your tweets and everything I see from you. And then Kirk Cousins is not taking you to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I don't care. Kyle Shanahan fit, whatever. That's just not happening. So uh, so where do the 49ers go from here? Well, I, I mean, to me, the solution is obvious. You go all out for Deshaun Watson. That is such an obvious and clear thing for me for the, what the 49ers should do. They're not going to do that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. which I that drives me nuts. They're like the opposite of the Rams. The Rams have figured out First round picks are way overrated, especially where we're going to be picking. And people really want them. So why don't we give them away? Well, you know, not give them away. Trade them away and get back proven players, guys that we already know are good. And guess what? It's been working for the Rams because all they've done since Sean McVay has gotten there is win. The Niners are like the complete opposite. They're like, we can't trade away our picks. We got to keep our picks. They're so valuable. We got to. And then so this is where you are. You're saying, well, we hope our quarterback is good enough. We hope he stays healthy. And we hope the guys we draft are good. And to me, that's not a strategy. Hope is not a plan. That is bad process. And we talk about process a lot on this show. So I don't love that. So that's what I think they're going to do is run it back with Jimmy and just hope things get better. And I guess bring in a first-round pick that they hope is going to be good. And I hate that because I think it's going to fail and I think it's going to fail miserably. And they're going to be right back in this spot next season trying to get a quarterback. And Deshaun Watson is not going to be available. If I guess it depends on who the Niners get a quarterback. But is it crazy to say that the NFC West could have like the best quarterback talent combined if you're combining it uh, in the league next year? Yeah, I mean, and the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the division now, I think, honestly. Uh, I think that the Stafford is going to, I think Stafford's going to have like the year that Aaron Rodgers just had. Maybe not 48 touchdowns. Wow. I think he's thrown 40 touchdowns. I think they are going to be lighting people up. 
do you understand? Like the Rams were conservative. The Rams are protecting Jared Goff, and he was still throwing for 4,600 yards a year. I think they're going to go nuts. Russ is Russ in Seattle. I think Kyler will be better. He's, you know, he's not amazing, but I think he'll be better next year than he was last year because he's still learning. And then you've got the Niners and Jimmy G, who is average. So if the worst quarterback in the division is average, that's pretty damn good. Friend of the SB Nation NFL show, Kyler Murray, which you should listen to, uh, you know, the interview that RJ did with him. Uh, number two stats on my list, which I think you're going to have on your list. Let's see if this is the case. I was going to put them at number one, but the problem is they play in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. So I have the Los Angeles Chargers at number two. I mean, how could I not? We've been talking about Justin Herbert. Everyone's talking about Justin Herbert uh, all year. They bring in Brandon Staley. I think he's going to help maximize that defense, which has obviously some really talented pieces on that. I just think that's a good formula there. Maybe maybe if anyone can finally find, like, find a way to stop or at least like limit Patrick Mahomes more than anyone. Maybe it's Brandon Staley like in the division, uh, figuring that out. That's far from guaranteed. I'm just saying like maybe that's it. Uh, they're ninth in cap space this offseason, so they have money to spend here and kind of build this thing up even more. I think they've just had so much bad luck in the past. Like Everyone knows that. The Chargers are a curse. So that's always the uh, the fool's uh, errand, I guess, here to to like put them in the spot and say, this is the year. This is finally the Chargers year because we've been saying that for the past like 10 years, but maybe it truly finally is. I had the Chargers on number one on my list. I totally agree with you. I think that they have the quarterback like we talked about and quarterbacks in year two can make a big jump. Look at Lamar Jackson won the MVP his second year as a starter. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP his second year in the league. Like, they can make that kind of level jump. And if the Chargers are going to get MVP level play from Justin Herbert, they can absolutely make the Super Bowl. Their roster has good players on it. Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa. If he ever can manage to stay healthy, Derwin James is an incredible player at safety. They have real talent there. And they also have the 13th pick in the draft this year, by the way, which they can get a really good player or trade down to get more picks. I think the Chargers are squarely in the discussion now. They play the AFC North and the NFC East next year, which is awesome because I think they're going to have their way with the NFC East. And I think that Brandon Staley being there, he's just, he has to be more organized than Anthony Lynn. Like, I don't think you're going to see the Chargers down four points with 30 seconds left and no timeouts, run the ball on the five-yard line, which they basically did twice this year. Like, there's not going to be that kind of confusion. So I think just organizationally, that's probably worth one more win right there, which gets them to 500 and 8-8. Eight and eight. So I-, I love the Chargers. They were my number one team. Now, like you said, it's the AFC, so that's going to be a tough road for them. But would you be stunned if the Chargers were back in the playoffs next year and then a legitimate threat? No, definitely not stunned. Um, the, the Chiefs, you know, I keep coming back to that. That's just tough. But I think it can be tough for them to make a third straight Super Bowl run. Like, that's those are just long seasons that you have to keep going through. Um, and I also think the Chiefs, for as good as they are, they've had some luck like on their side. They won all these one-score games this year. Um, their injury luck, I think, has kind of been underrated in terms of like, a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, look at their IR list right now. Not a ton of play- – I mean, more recently, heading into the Super Bowl after the AFC Championship game, yeah, they got banged up. But before that, and generally speaking, compared to some of these more injured teams in the NFL, they haven't, like, been hit super hard by the injury bug. So they might be due for some of that bad luck at some point. Um, and, yeah, and, like – the Raiders. I mean, I don't even know what's going on with them. John Gruden's not really scaring us, I don't think. Nope. And then 
the Broncos, you know, have a quarterback situation to figure out as well. So, yeah, I think the, the Chargers are primed to make this jump. It's finally going to be for real. Um, at least you would hope. Philip Rivers is gone. Uh, Anthony Lynn is gone. There's no reason for this, like, loser Chargers culture, <laughs> this bad luck Chargers culture to, like, perpetuate. And uh, hopefully it doesn't. Yes, I I. Can we get to the end of the Chargers are down by four, 80 yards away with a minute left in the game? Like they do that every single week. Hopefully that's coming to an end for them because like you said, you just, they don't deserve that. They deserve a little bit better. And I think your point about the Chiefs is a good one. Like what's more likely the Chiefs get to three straight Super Bowls or the Chargers suddenly rise up in the AFC and make one. Like to me, it has to be the Chargers. We haven't seen a team get to three straight since what? Since the the Bills in the 90s? I think, well, yeah, did the Patriots do it at all? Three straight, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Hmm. Someone fact check us. Yes, and leave a review. Fact check us and leave a review. So you had the Chargers at number two. They were my number one team. Can I get to my number two team? Yes. I don't know how you're going to feel about this one because they play in the NFC East. Well, then I might already know. Okay, let's hear it. It is not the Philadelphia Eagles, I am sorry to say. To me, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And again, I go back to improvement at quarterback. I know he's going to come back from an injury, but all indications are that Dak Prescott is going to be back. He was phenomenal early in the year before he got injured. And that's going to be a huge jump at quarterback for the Cowboys. We know they have offensive talent there. They have Zeke. They have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. And they have C.D. Lamb. I love their talent on offense. Their offensive line has been ravaged by injuries. I think they're going to try and bolster that in the draft this year and sort of build that back up. And if they do that, I think their defense just through sheer luck has to be better than it was last year. They've hired Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. If they get any semblance of defense, I think they could be very much like the Seahawks were this year, BLG, with an offense that can carry them in a passing game, especially that can carry them and a defense that's just, kind of along for the ride <sighs> heavy size that's uh because <laughs> i know rj is going to be listening to this i know he's going to bring it up on the look ahead i just yep. i can already hear it coming he's going to tweet at me about it he's going to slack me it's it's coming so uh here you go rj but my thinking is just like i'm going to maybe put the bucks in a bad spot in the super bowl i'm also going to put the cowboys in a bad spot for next year by putting the whammy on them stats and i i have them number one um I think you made a lot of the points that I'm going to make here, but I'll just run through some of them again. Like the offense was averaging 32.6 points per game before the DAC injury. For perspective, the Packers finished first in scoring this past year in offensive points per game at 30.7. So they're on pace to have the best offense in terms of scoring in the league before the DAC injury. Um, now that's that's relevant to me. I don't want to just assume. Uh, like entirely that he's going to be the same exact player because this is a significant injury. Kind of want to see how he is coming off of that. But uh, you still have Kellen Moore here, and I do believe in him as a play caller as much as I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy guy. That's kind of like a deterrent for me here. Um, but the talent uh, overwhelms the the, the coaching uh, questions I have. Dan Quinn, I agree, will at least help make the defense more respectable. I thought that Mike, yes. the, the Mike Nolan hire was such a joke. Like there was no reason to make that hire. Like it was a pathetic, like, like this is just a guy I know. Um, it was not any kind of inspiring hire. There's no way he was the best candidate for that job. Dan Quinn, um, I don't know how good of a defense it's going to be, but again, I think it'll at least be like not a dumpster fire, historically bad, like it was early on in the year. The other thing, the other two th- points I have here stats, Dallas drafts well, like, 
obviously they you know they get these young, like like a cd lamb like these young like uh the, the, these young uh, trayvon Diggs, these young talented players they have and they have 11 selections in this year's draft so they're going to be able to add even more talent to their young roster even though they don't have a ton of cap space depending on what happens with dak and obviously this is all assuming dak is back and then uh it's a relatively weak nfc east i mean it was the worst division you know in sports relatively weak relatively weak well i mean i'll get to why relatively in a bit but it's a weak division. Um, you know, there hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since 2004. So uh, it's only right that Washington won't win it and a different team will. And it's not going to be the Eagles. I'm pretty sure of that. And the Giants, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think they're there yet. Daniel Jones and whatnot. So, yeah, Cowboys, number one, unfortunately. And, I mean, you mentioned Dan Quinn. Is anybody in a better spot than him? All he has to do is an average job, and he looks like a hero. What are we going to say? Oh, Dan Quinn really turned this defense around after Mike Nolan. Like, all he's got to do is just the regular run-in-the-mill job, and he's going to come out smelling like a rose. And I guarantee you, you'll see Dan Quinn, head coaching candidate. He's possible. Look what he did with that Cowboys defense. He got to a Super Bowl in Atlanta. Like, that will happen again if the Cowboys can turn it around and have some success. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. He's coming into a spot where it's not like he, again, has to turn it into any kind of elite defense. Now, kind of the issue with taking the Cowboys here stats is they always find a way to lose in the playoffs. They're, <laughs> they, they've been this loser team for a long time now. Nick Foles, I believe, has more playoff wins since 1996 than the Dallas Cowboys do as an organization. Jerry Jones gets in the way too much. There's, there's plenty here um, to make you believe that the Cowboys will not go on this run but on the flip side of that maybe they're just due you know because it's been so long and i feel like it's bound to happen in my lifetime uh at some point unfortunately um so why not next year yeah i believe the dallas cowboys since their last super bowl win are the only team to the only team in the nfc not to make it to the nfc championship game so since their last Super Bowl, they are the only team to never play for a chance to win the Super Bowl. And it's not like they've had a ton of bad teams in there. They've had some really good teams. They just, like you said, have not been able to get it done in the playoffs. I agree with your point about Mike McCarthy also. I don't like him as a head coach at all. I don't think I'm not buying this whole Mike McCarthy 2.0. Now I know about Anna. That was such a show to get another job. Mike McCarthy is who he's always been. But but your point, the talent there that they have is incredible. And to me, I have them. They were my number two team. So we, we kind of swapped there because you had the Chargers at two. I had them at one. I had the Cowboys at two. You had them at one. So real quick, your three teams were? The Panthers, number three, the Chargers, number two, and then the Cowboys, very regrettably, at number one. I had the Niners at three, the Cowboys at two, and the Chargers at one. You mentioned a couple honorable mentions. What do you got for us? Yeah, so when I said relatively weak NFC East, I was thinking about putting Washington in here, stats, because the quarterback situation, obviously iffy, but you know they showed some interest in Matt Stafford, too. I think they could make a push. I can't see why Deshaun Watson would waive his no-trade clause to go to Dan Snyder's team, of all places, Washington. But if they could somehow maybe convince him, maybe like Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera can be like, hey, Deshaun, like it's going to be good. Like Come here. Our defense is great. I'm not counting on that. But like if that could happen or, you know, they figure something else out, I don't know, um, like in terms of what they're going to be able to do. But if they can just figure out the quarterback position and no, that doesn't count uh, relying on Taylor Haneke to to take them to the promised land. Um, 
I definitely think their defense was just so legit last year. Although, again, a reason why I would have Dallas over them is just defense isn't as sticky year to year in terms of like, you know, it's it's much easier to have a good offense and kind of sustain that as you look at the Chiefs and some of these high high profile teams year over year, whereas the defense can kind of fluctuate a little bit. So um, that's why I had Dallas over them. But I think Washington, again, if it, it's, it's kind of like the Carolina thing, if they just get the quarterback a little bit more figured out. And I don't even think it has to be an amazing quarterback. It doesn't have to be Deshaun Watson for, for them to get to the Super Bowl. I think the defense, if it can kind of pick up where it left off last year, they just need a quarterback who's like solid to be in good standing. You know who they need, and it'll never happen. You put Kirk Cousins in Washington. <laughs> he is exactly the guy. He's going to play. He'll put up 35, 3,800 yards. He's going to throw 25 to 30 touchdowns. Like, that's the guy you're describing. No. The See, the irony with that, I mean – the irony that the Washington franchise, the quarterback that they need is Kirk Cousins. When they drafted him all those years ago, I do like that. It's pretty delicious. All right, who else you got on your honorable mentions? The New York Jets stats. Because, what? well, here's why. Because uh, I think it's a little far off. Because I think they need more you know, time to rebuild this thing. And it's a first-year head coach with Robert Sala. But this is why it's an honorable mention, not the top three. But I think they're the most likely destination in terms of having the ammo for Deshaun Watson. Um, yes. And they're especially the most, I think, likely, because we're, we're, you know, this is 500 or below, so we're taking the Dolphins out of it because they went over above 500. Mm-hmm. Just from the teams we're talking about here and this uh, list we've made, I mean, they're the most likely team to get him. Um, so if they get him, that would be, I think, a pretty big deal for him. Again, they still have to surround him with pieces. That roster needs work. Um, but they have draft picks, and now presumably they'd have to trade some of them if they did get Watson. But uh, just, I, you know, I don't think it's likely – um, the Jets, by the way, I believe have the longest playoff drought in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think they could at least get back to the playoffs with him. And, you know, the division is interesting because what are the Patriots going to do? I was I was toying with putting the Patriots on this list because they're going to be healthier this year. They're going to have the guys back who opted out of you know the COVID um, or the COVID opt outs last year. Maybe they can get quarterback right. It's Bill Belichick. It's always not terrible to bet on him. Um, but, you know, the Dolphins, I just. Like I like the Dolphins, but Tua, that's still a big question mark. We have to see what happens at quarterback for them. And then the Bills, um, they're still pretty good, so that's going to be tough. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just wanted to put the Jets in there as an honorable mention. I see where you're going. I don't think next year, and even if they traded for Watson, I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl next year, although they would be right. really, really good, and I agree. They should go all in. They can give four first-round picks and only have it affect their draft for two seasons because they got extra first from the Jamal Adams deal. They should absolutely do it. I don't know if they will. Okay, those are our teams. Let's take a break. When we come back from break, we'll do our interview with Mike Tannenbaum, speaking of the Jets, and we will give you our Super Bowl picks, although BLG has been not so subtly hinting at his for the entire show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show and the Deshaun Watson rumors continue to swirl and we don't know what's going to happen with him and his relationship with the Houston Texans. So I wanted to get a little help in the situation. And I thought, who better to talk to than a man who is no stranger to negotiations with star players and somewhat contentious negotiations with star players. So I'm very pleased to be able to be joined by Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM, former executive vice president of player personnel with the Miami Dolphins. You see him on ESPN, Get Up, NFL Live, pretty much anywhere football is being discussed. Mike Tannenbaum, thank you very much for the time. Great to be with you. How's everything? Everything is good. Well, except in Houston, where everything seems to be anything but good. Um, before we get there, I have to ask you this, because I've always wanted to talk to you about this. You are part of the funniest moment in Hard Knocks history. And it, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's when you're on the phone with Revis's reps, and Rex has just decided that he has had enough and he's done with the talking and he's done playing nice. So he says, forget it. It's ridiculous that we're negotiating this. Watch what happens when we play this week. And you did two brilliant things. First Rex tells them off and you immediately hang up the phone. You say, thanks guys. And you click hang up. How did you fight the temptation to try and fix it in that moment? Well, working with Rex, you just know there's a time and place for everything. And that was not the time or the place. So, when Rex is going, you just let him go and hang on for dear life. And then right after that, and this is my favorite thing, there is 10 seconds of absolute silence in the room. And then you say, well, what does the negotiation playbook say to do now? That was <laughs> utterly brilliant. And I've always wanted to ask you, what did you do after that? Like you call them back at some point, I imagine, or they call you. Do you even address it or do you just plow forward? I think I went to go eat a damn snack. I think that's what I did. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think I just try to ignore it and move on. Like that just really happened. And um, you just go from there. But um, yeah, that was, it was funny. Like you do hard knocks and never in a million years do you think your best player is going to hold out on national TV. And it's amazing how to this day, I still get asked so much about it. Um, it was a great experience. We obviously had a very, very good season that year. So it wasn't a distraction, but that, that, that was a that was a tough deal. Just try, try to get through that, get the player signed. And it was uh, crazy that it all played out on national TV. I, I just can't imagine what it's like where you are very delicately trying to handle the situation. You're talking with Woody. You're getting them to go on a plane and meet somewhere. And then in two seconds, Rex just comes in and just basically potentially blows up the whole thing. Yeah, that's Rex. You know, we got to <laughs> love him. But yeah, that that's, that's Rex in a nutshell. And Try the, the toothpaste in the tube if you could and, and figure out what to do uh, next. But boy, that was, uh, I'll never forget that. Okay, I want to do something different with you with this Houston situation, if I could. If you'll indulge me, I want to make you the Texans and I will play the part of Deshaun Watson because I think this thing could get really hairy really quickly. But you're obviously way better at this than I am. And I feel like it'll be a fun thing for the listener to try to go at it from this perspective, if you'll indulge me. Sure. Okay, so 
I'm Deshaun Watson's team. I call you up and say, I feel disrespected. You know where I stand. We want out. Trade me. And I say, look, hey, we're going to get together. We want to sit down. We want to be great listeners. Nick Casario, general manager, has been up for 10 seconds. So I'm saying, hey, I'm going to go bring my yellow pad. I want to listen. I want to solve this problem the best we can. You know, David Coley, all these things happened before we got here. So we want to fix the problem. Well, that's great. But you're telling me that that's what I was told when Bill O'Brien was fired, that things were going to be different. And the first time you guys had a chance to, to make things differently, you know, I wanted to be part of the process and you totally didn't make me part of the process. You let me down immediately. So why am I going to think that things are going to be different now? We weren't part of those conversations and we want to be held accountable to what we tell you. And we want to tell you that we're going to start fresh and we want to accomplish everything we can on and off the field together for the next 15 years. So we want to have success on the field and make you fulfilled off the field. Well, Cal McNair was part of those discussions. He's still there. And he's empowered us to make all the decisions. So hold us accountable. That's our job. And we expect you at the appropriate time and place to play quarterback. Um, we're going to run this franchise and you're a huge part of it. You know, that sounds good, but I think I'm just, I think I'm just done. I, th I don't want to play with you guys anymore. There's a reason I took all my texts and stuff out of my social media you, you got to get me out of here. Trade me right now. No, we have no interest in doing that. You're a Houston Texan. You signed a contract back in September for six years. That has to mean something. And um, unfortunately, you know, we can't trade you. But what we can do is we can work really hard to try to solve this. Well, if you say that, then I'm going to go public and say, I'm not playing for you ever again. You know, we'd be disappointed if you did that. But you're a Houston Texan, and we're excited about what we could accomplish together. <sighs> I, I, I don't know if it's going to get to that point. I don't know how willing Deshaun is going to be to, to go that far. Because if he says, for instance, okay, Houston, if you don't trade me and we don't do this quietly, I'm going to go public and say, I want to go to the Jets, and that's the only team I'm playing for, and now you have no leverage. See, I, I see that a little bit differently because I think the leverage is a little bit more mutual from this standpoint, which is they're not just going to give away Deshaun Watson. If they ever get to the point where they feel like they have to trade him, they're going to have to get a very significant value in return because if not, they're just not going to trade him. Now, I think where it gets really sticky is the Jalen Ramsey situation from a year ago, Robert, where he's like, okay, you're not going to trade me, no problem. My back hurts. And now, like, <laughs> you know, that's when it gets really ugly because every day people are going to question Deshaun Watson's integrity about is he really hurt or not. David Culley's trying to establish himself as a head coach. Someone's going to be under center. They're going to want to talk about the team, but all anybody will talk about, win or lose, is is Deshaun Watson really hurt or what's next? Or, um, you know, there's some inflection point. There always is. John Gruden with Khalil Mack, Jamal Adams and the Jets, Jalen Ramsey and, and the Jaguars. So my point is, like, it could be lose-lose, but he can't just force their hand to one team because they're not going to just give him away if they, they don't want to trade him. So to me, what's interesting is when does Houston hit that inflection point? Yeah, that, that is an interesting. I, I can't see Deshaun saying, oh, my back hurts when it really doesn't. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, but that's what Houston has to decide, right? Do they think he's willing to go that far? Right. That's exactly, that's a great point. How far will he go? I'm a 49ers fan, so I'm secretly hoping he goes that far and somehow they wake up and realize that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback and they need to make a move, but we'll, we'll see if it ever gets to that point. I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, cause I saw you on ESPN talking about this and that's the Rams because I'm fascinated with this situation. 
The Rams have basically decided first round picks, not really that big a deal. They don't have any for the next, I think, seven years. And you didn't like that. You think that's a fundamentally flawed philosophy. Am I right? Well, from a standpoint, let's give them credit for this. They, they've amassed some great players, really good players in Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Those are good players by any sort of metrics. However, they are so incredibly thin. And I think if we were having this conversation during the season, no team's going to go through 16 games perfectly healthy. And they're going to, be re, they're going to have no veteran backup players. They have no margin for error. And what about guys like Troy Hill, Josh Johnson, Leonard Floyd, their current free agents, how many of those players are going to be able to keep? So to have any chance of systemically to keep things going, you have to be able to draft and retain your own. And right now they're not going to be able to draft their own. That is true. It's definitely a risk. It especially puts a lot of pressure on Les Snead to get your second, third, fourth round picks right. Because as you said, there's no middle class on that roster. It's either elite guys or guys on rookie deals. So if you don't nail those picks, you're in, you're in it, basically. Yeah, and I'm not so sure how much of an upgrade Matt Stafford is over Jared Goff. I think he's the better player. Would I rather have Stafford over Goff? Yes. However, when you consider age and injury, I think that conversation is a little closer than you think. How do you also incorporate the fact that they get out of that Goff contract into that decision-making process? Because that was 40-plus million guaranteed over the next two years that they no longer have to worry about. I think Sean McVay is a good coach. This is not his finest hour. He was in that room a year and a half ago when they gave Jared Goff this massive deal. And as a coach, your job is to solve problems. And now you have to go start John Wolford in a playoff game. This is not his finest hour by any stretch. How does that happen? How do you go from a year and a half ago being on in this guy and then suddenly be out of it at this point so quickly? That's why GMs have less hair and more weight. They're asking the same question, (laughs) right? Like, come on, like, we just signed this guy. This guy is supposed to be this great quarterback that we can win championships with, and now he can't start over John Wolford and we have to get rid of him. Look, when we make a $100 million commitment, that means something. So how do you judge the success of this now? If they win a Super Bowl, is that was it worth it? Yeah, that's the object of the exercise. No question about it. But again, Robert, their margin for error is so perilously thin. And I've been there, like where you feel like you have a good team. I had it in Miami. When Ryan Tannehill was healthy, we went to the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and it you know, put us all in jeopardy. And that's – it's just one of those things where you can have on paper a good team, but over a 16-game season, maybe 17 games, depth is really important. Well, look, I'm like I said, I'm a Niner fan, so I'm hoping that, that the injury bug bites some other team other than San Francisco. And if it's the Rams, they could be in a bunch of trouble. Um, if you are the Jets or you are Miami – are you going to give up those picks to get to Sean Watson? Because you seem to value those picks a lot. So would you would you do that if you were them? 100%. I wouldn't let Nick Casario off the phone. If you're the Jets and you had Robert Sala and Deshaun Watson for the next 10 years, you just changed the whole narrative of your franchise. And we saw it with Tom Brady, Robert, this aura of association, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. It'll become a destination. And that's why, to me, you absolutely have to do everything you can to get a player like him. And you know, Deshaun Watson in New York, I mean, that would be, you would take over the town from the Giants for sure right away. I mean, he would be the star of stars. Yeah, we're not talking about the next great player. We're talking about Derek Jeter. The New York Jets would have Derek Jeter. That's to me like priceless when you talk about just building a franchise, the face of your franchise, 
what he's done in the community, whatever it takes, I would go get him. Yeah, I just don't know if Houston's going to get to that point. Although I do think it's interesting if you're the Jets, you could trade four first round picks and it only affects your team for two years because they have the extra picks from the Jamal Adams deal, which looks better and better. That's exactly right. Like this is an unexpected opportunity. That's what great corporations do. It's an unexpected opportunity. And um, why, why not try to do everything you can within reason to go get them? It makes too much sense not to happen. We'll see if it gets to that point. Uh, Mike, I really can't thank you enough for the time. I appreciate it. I could keep you here all afternoon, honestly. Like There are so many different things I want to ask you, but I really value your perspective. And thanks for kind of indulging me and going back and forth a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great stuff. And uh, glad to see things are going so well for you. Thanks again to Mike Tannenbaum for the time, BLG. Okay, now it is time to finally let you expound upon this, this grand thesis that you have been pushing for two weeks that the Buccaneers are not going to lose the Super Bowl. Please, enlighten me. You can never count out touchdown Tom stats and the Buccaneers. You just can't do it. Like, look, this team is for real. They're totally going to win. Look, they had a long and arduous path to making it to the Super Bowl. No one's had it tougher than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year in many respects. And I just think um, they're, they're the legitimate team. The Chiefs can't win the Super Bowl two years in a row. That just – it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, look, the Chiefs are banged up too. Their offensive line getting injured here. That Bucks pass rush is going to find a way to get after them. If that defense can shut down Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP. I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't the MVP this year. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is going to be. So, er, therefore, you know – Bucks should be able to stop a guy who's lesser than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, everything is lining up for this to be a comfortable Buccaneers win. Comfortable? Wow. I just, to me, when I think of comfort, I think of Kansas City. It doesn't matter how many points they get down. It doesn't matter how they play. Eventually, they flip that switch, and Patrick Mahomes just does crazy things. Your point about the Buccaneers' pass rush is a good one, but I think it's the Super Bowl. I think the refs are not going to be calling holding penalties. They sure as hell didn't call them last year in the Super Bowl. I know that for a fact. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to, to get away with a little more on the offensive line that could help offset that Buccaneers pass rush. Mahomes is going to be running around. He's had an extra week to recover from the turf toe thing that, that cropped up late in the playoffs. And I just think that the Chiefs, they go for it on fourth down, which is going to be a huge factor in, in games that could be close like this. I think they're going to go for it. Andy Reid is good at dialing up those short yardage crazy plays and i don't know the bucks can keep up with them offensively that chiefs defense is better than you think especially in the secondary you know if they hold the bucks to 28 points i think kansas city's gonna win if i take the whammy hat off for a second here i think the steve spagnolo thing is really interesting considering you know obviously coach those uh giants defenses that allowed the New York to inexplicably beat the Patriots uh, not once but twice. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Although, if you're looking for uh, the flip side of that coaching matchup, Andy Reid, 0-1 against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, as I know all too well. Um, Not that that matters. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, you know, in reality, you know, again, when we had off here, I think the Chiefs have every reason to be favored and – the it's reached a point where why bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, but at the same time, uh, even when we had off, just looking at it and like taking the touch, never count out touchdown Tom thing, uh, like going beyond the joke of it. I mean, it's like it's Tom Brady. Like it's Tom Brady. It's in the playoffs. You saw him. Like are is, are are you gonna think if the Chiefs let's say like they get up 
let's say they're the ones who get up for once. They're they're not going to be trailing and they get up, you know, 28 to three, <laughs> maybe not that much, but you know, a big lead. Are you going to be like, well, you know, Tom Brady's done. Like, no, like you, you can't think that just because we've seen him come back from it before. So uh, until like the beast is dead, I'm just not going to believe it until I see it. I think this beef, the Steve Spagnolo thing is interesting because I was talking on the round table yesterday to Craig Stout of Arrowhead Pride, and he kind of brought up a good point. Like, it's hard to rattle Tom Brady, but somewhere in his head, if the Bucks get down by a couple of scores early in the game, do you think somewhere deep in places Tom Brady doesn't like to talk about at parties, he's thinking, oh, this guy's not going to do it to me again. Is this really going to happen a third time that this guy is going to shut me down in the Super Bowl? I just... If it hadn't happened before, I would say it was impossible. But the fact that Spags has had success against Brady twice in a Super Bowl, do you think that that pops into Tom's head at all? Well, especially if he has the kind of game he did in the NFC Championship game. I mean, like, he's not getting away with, like, I don't even think he's getting away with two interceptions. If he has two interceptions in this game, they're not winning. Like, that's that can't happen. Like, maybe maybe one and they can still win. Um, but, like, you know, certainly not three. I mean, like, look for as much as, uh, like, he deserved credit for playing well in that first half last week. I mean, it was a very losable game for the Bucks. If you know, if the if the Packers were able to capitalize like they should have been on those interceptions, I know um, Tampa's defense is good, but still, like that's that's just I, I, that's why I didn't believe in the Bucks for a lot of the year because I, I think there's stretches here. Even though Tom Brady finished the season well, there's stretches where you look at this and you're like, yeah, yeesh, like that's not good. Uh, so he, he's certainly not invincible. He's certainly mortal and maybe more so than Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I definitely think that's relevant. Um, you know, if it's one of it's, if it's that kind of game for him and things aren't going his way and they are down, he's like, okay, this is, you know, once again, I'm in this spot and potentially even worse because, you know, with those giants teams, it's not like they're running away with the game, right? Like they weren't like this juggernaut offense that like you, you had to worry about. Like there's more pressure on him now than ever to really have a clean game. Yeah. If he throws three second half interceptions in the Super Bowl, forget it. There's no way. I mean, there's just no way that the chiefs are not going to score based off those turnovers. Even if they only got field goals, that's still nine extra points that you have to score two possessions off just based off your turnover. So I I just think that even though Brady is still very good, Mahomes is a, he's a unicorn man. And he's paired up with Andy Reed that really like they've leaned into their strength so much there in Kansas city. And their strength is just so damn good. I, I can't pick against them and believe me, I want to, because the last thing I want to see is that catch up loving man holding up that Super Bowl trophy for the second year in a row but I just think that that's that's the world we're living in right now. That doesn't make it any easier for you. I'm not like this isn't a troll question. I mean it seriously. Like doesn't does that because it's like wow, like we didn't have a chance last year, even though you know the Niners were up. Like it's just Mahomes is this good, and it's like there's basically nothing we can do. No, I watched that Super Bowl once a week, and every time I watch it, I think the 49ers are going to win. There's six minutes left. They've got a 10-point lead. I don't know how they mucked it up, to be honest with you. Like, I, it doesn't make it any easier. I still, I, before the Niners reached the Super Bowl in 2019, I used to watch the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Again, it was the same deal. Like, I thought they were going to win. They got the ball at the six-yard line. They had four cracks at the end zone. I, there is no way in my mind that they were not going to score in that situation. So, no, it never gets any easier. It hurts just as much. And I still, to this day, have not 
watched any of the celebration for either of those Niners Super Bowl losses. Once the clock hits zero, the TV goes off. I cannot bring myself to see the confetti and all that garbage. I have a similar experience stats, you know, from watching the Eagles lose to the Patriots when I was just about like 13 or so. It was 2004. And uh, it was tough. That was like the first year I started really following the Eagles like hardcore to like, like more hardcore than I ever had before. Like started to know like every single player on the roster. Like this is like the first year I was like all in as opposed to kind of like knowing what was going on and following it more casually, just being younger. Um, so, yeah, it was terrible. And every time I rewatched that game, I had the same feeling. It's like this, this maybe it'll end different this time, but it doesn't. It never <laughs> yep. does. And then and then even just like years after um, playing it on Madden, like playing that matchup it, on like finding a way whatever franchise mode or just exhibition whatever just putting the eagles and the patriots even though it was different rosters because it would be years down the road like just be like all right i just need the eagles to beat the patriots in the super bowl and then thankfully finally it happened in real life so uh the you know the demons uh, are kind of gone i always compare it to uh are you a lord of the rings guy stats a little okay well, in, in the third movie, I don't think this is, qualifies as a spoiler, but um, there's the mountain men, basically, where, um, and this is getting real nerdy here, but Aragon, you know, the king of Gondor, yes, um, the rightful king of Gondor, like he, th- these ghost people basically owe a debt, you know, to the king of Gondor, um, like for being these traitors or whatever. So uh, he finally uh, calls that debt in and they help him, you know, defeat all the bad guys. And then uh, they're like, hey. Uh, we should really keep these ghost guys around because they could be, you know, good to have. But uh, got, Aragon does like the right thing. And he's like, no, like, let him rest. I release you. And that's what it felt like. It was like the deep, like, like all these uh, just unrest, you know, the, these ghosts, these, like this haunting memory. It just washed away. So uh, always nice when you can have that. That was a long trip for that. Unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I'll always be down two Super Bowls in my mind. If the Niners win every Super Bowl from now until the rest of time, I will still think we should have two more. And that's just that's just how it happened. That's how it shook out, unfortunately. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, subscribe. We got plenty of good stuff coming up for you this week. Again, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Theismann, Carson Palmer, maybe a couple other names beyond that as well. So please do that. We won't let you down. Enjoy the game, everybody. And when I'm right, please tweet at Brandon Lee Gowden on Twitter. He is at Brandon Gowden. Why can I never remember? For some reason, I'm like, I never, is it at BLG? I don't know why. The middle name thing might throw you off. It doesn't fit. I can't do at Brandon Lee Gowden. It's like one character too many. Well, tweet at him, at Brandon Gowden. Praise me, criticize him, and uh, we'll be back next week to break it all down.